Hi, my name is Steve Sindoni. I grew up in a tough neighborhood in Brooklyn. It was so tough that on Halloween, the kids on my block didn't go trick or treating. They went trick or beating. <laughs> in my neighborhood, if you went out with a Halloween costume, you got your ass beat. from an early age there were three types of gangsters. They were the spiritual, the government, and organized crime. The spiritual gangsters, they wanted 10% of your weekly take-home pay and your soul. The government, they wanted 30% of your weekly take-home pay and your social security number. And organized crime, it was simple. It was your money or your life. <laughs> to take a course in anger management. All New Yorkers are in a hurry going nowhere fast with that dumb look on their face that says, kiss my ass. <laughs> People in New York are strange and aliens and they go out of their way to avoid making eye contact. Hello, hello, is anybody in there? Is anybody home? <laughs> and what about the foul smell all around New York City? From the Bowery to Broadway, everywhere you go, it smells like urine or shit. <laughs> the governor should enact a law that everyone who lives in New York must be potty trained. Half of the people in New York wear boots because the shit is glued to the sidewalk. <laughs> and the other half of the people wear pointy shoes to kill the cockroaches in the high-rise apartments. <laughs> and what about those outdoor cafes? Who says New Yorkers don't shit where they eat? Is it any wonder why they call it urine town? <laughs> and my neighborhood was so tough, the employment agencies had signs in the window that read, no diplomas or resumes required. Just bring in your rap sheet. <laughs> and have you ever tried parking or driving in New York? They have signs posted that read, don't even think about parking here. <laughs> and if you block the box, it's a $250 fine. Honk your horn, that's another $250. Double park your car, they'll tow it in New York Minute. That's another $450. The way I got it figured, it could cost me about a grand just to come to New York for the damn day. <laughs> and taxi cabs in New York, they piss me off too. They charge you an arm and leg just to go around the block. <laughs> I can walk and get to my destination faster. <laughs> and the taxi cab drivers, they're all foreigners. And they don't even have a clue where they're going. <laughs> now don't get me wrong, I don't have anything against foreigners. But when they come to this country and apply for a taxi cab license, they should be required to buy a couple of vowels so we can pronounce their goddamn names. <laughs> I'm getting sick and tired of saying, hey asshole, didn't I tell you to turn here? <laughs> and 
And if you want to have an adventure, you don't have to go to Disney World, spend a lot of money to get on a scary ride. Just take a ride on the New York City subway. I call it the Tunnel of Terror. <laughs> Train starts out of the station about 80 miles an hour. Gets halfway through the tunnel, comes to a screeching halt. Lights go out for about 20 minutes. The next thing you hear is women moaning and men heavy breathing. <laughs> now that's an adventure. And in the summer, it's about 150 degrees on the platforms. You sweat your balls off. And in the winter, it's so cold, it's hell froze over. Matter of fact, it's so cold, the women's tits, they stand at attention. <laughs> now what about the gays in New York? Did you know there are more gays per capita in New York City than any other city in America? Only San Francisco is a close second. You might say they're so close, they're right up their ass. <laughs> Now don't get me wrong, I don't have anything against gays, but if I were a politician, I would give them their own state and name it Confusion. <laughs> but New York City is still the most exciting city in the world. Home of Madison Square Garden, the New York Yankees, the Ice Capades, and a New York City taxi cab driver's Taliban on wheels. <laughs> the city never sleeps, would you? <laughs> but my fondest memories of New York was Sundays, and that's because they were so quiet. And that's only because the Puerto Ricans, they couldn't get their car started. New York? Is it me? Do all the cops in New York look like Ray Romano of Everybody Loves Raymond? <laughs> and they all look buff like they've got that five-year gold gym membership. Then in the sixth year after the gym membership expires, they look more like Kevin James or the King of Queens, a Pillsbury Doughboy. <laughs> Put them in the oven, bake 15 minutes, bam! Popping fresh dough. Now, I don't have anything against cops or law enforcement, but I think when they hire these guys, they should raise the bar a little. They should take it off the damn ground. <laughs> and the life cycle of a cop, they go from playing with their prick to joining the police force and acting like a dick. <laughs> Whatever happened to protect and serve? The new police motto's become, stop, profile, and harass. How about, hey officer, kiss my ass. <laughs> and according to the latest statistics, there are 10,000 banks being robbed every year in America. I can only find two incidents of any Dunkin' Donuts being robbed all year. And that's because you can always find a cop jerking off in their parking lots with both hands. <laughs> Here's a business tip for you. 
Forget about putting your money in a bank. Invest it in Dunkin' Donuts. You know they'll never get robbed. <laughs> I was driving here tonight, doing about 80 miles an hour, when I noticed a police officer sitting in a speed trap. You know it's cold when you see a cop pointing a radar gun and eating a donut, frozen solid. <laughs> sleeping on the job. It was 6 a.m. one morning I was driving through New York and I noticed a cop parked at a broken traffic light sleeping in his patrol car. So I drove past about six hours later because I was curious and I spotted the officer still sleeping in the same position I had seen him earlier. <laughs> now I got a little pissed off, right? I get out of my car and I tapped on his window and I woke his ass up. <laughs> And as he wiped the sleep from his eyes, I said, Officer, are you all right? Because as a concerned taxpayer, I was hoping you were damn dead. <laughs> there was another time I was driving to New York, and I get stopped by an unmarked patrol car with three undercover officers in it. The officer says, we pulled you over because you've got out-of-state plates and you look suspicious. I look at a place and suspicious, I said. An Irish and Italian cop in the front seat of the car? And a Puerto Rican in the back of the car smoking a cigarette without handcuffs, and I look out of place? <laughs> I told him, you should have let the Puerto Rican drive. <laughs> a couple of months ago, I was in New York City at Times Square, and I asked an officer, how many people are living here in New York now? So the officer says, it's either 12 or 14 million. So I say, well, is it 12? Or is it 14? So the officer says, you know, I'm really not sure. So I say, I'll bet you it's 12 if you blow your whistle and yell immigration. <laughs> and I'll tell you, people can be so rude. I went to a diner in Jersey and this lady blew a smoke ring right in my face. So I looked at her, and she said to me, what are you looking at? What do you think, I'm putting on a show for you? <laughs> so now I got pissed, right? I said, no, lady, I'm waiting for the finale. Will you blow the smoke out of your fat ass, bitch? <laughs> I tell you, things are out of control. They're out of control. It's not like it used to be when we were growing up. Today, schools have metal detectors because kids carry guns. What's the world coming to when you have to hire a kindergarten cop? <laughs> it used to be the more you learn, the more you would earn. Then it became, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Today, what determines how far you go is not what or who you know, it's who you know and who you blow. <laughs> And even the nursery rhymes have changed. Little Jack Horner sat in the corner eating his curds and whey. Along came Michael Jackson and sat down beside him and took his virginity away. <laughs> That's wacko, Jacko. For crying out loud, spank the monkey, why don't you? <laughs> and today, boys want to dress like girls. Girls want to act like boys. It used to be girls wanted to have sex in a missionary position. 
Now they want to have sex on top. Now I don't have anything against women's rights. All I want is equal nights. Is everybody stuck on stupid? And you know, everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. Seems like everybody's become hopeless hopers. Hope my ship comes in, hope I hit the lottery, hope things get better. Give me a break. And then you got the born again Christians. They're waiting on a sign. And growing up in a Jewish-Italian household, my mother, who was Jewish, she didn't raise me stupid. But my father, who was Italian, he sure as hell tried. <laughs> and my father, he wanted me to follow in his footsteps. So he bought me a bag of cement. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, my parents meant well. Poor. We were so poor, we couldn't even afford garbage. <laughs> Matter of fact, I can't even remember the garbage man ever coming and picking up the garbage at our house. I was being groomed for my own TV sitcom, Lifestyles of the Poor and Misfortunate. <laughs> my parents, they were the dysfunctional duo. They were both whack. heard of E.F. Hutton? My family's broker was E.F. Nothing. <laughs> Matter of fact, things were so bad around my house, my father even considered changing his last name. But the name Funzolo was already taken. <laughs> and my father, he used to brag that he could do the work of three men. Yeah, Mo. Larry and Curly. <laughs> and I can remember being in the second grade and my father coming up to school and trying to sign me out so I could help pay some of the bills. <laughs> and on Saturdays, I can remember my father washing and waxing his car before he would take us all out for a drive. My father had a Ronzoni car. It runs only when we all got out and pushed it. Which pretty much explains why we never left Brooklyn. <laughs> but Christmas, Christmas was always a special time of the year around our house. For Christmas one year, I can remember getting a slinky, a box of marbles, and a bag of dirt. <laughs> I was so depressed, I thought Santa Claus was Puerto Rican. Matter of fact, I was so upset, I wrote a letter to Santa. Dear Santa, can somebody please explain why I didn't get shit? <laughs> but I vowed, I vowed, I swore that next year was going to be different. This time, I wrote a letter to Santa and I asked for a backpack and a bicycle. See, I figured if I had luggage and transportation, 
then I could make my escape. <laughs> so on Christmas Eve, I waited till everyone in the house was asleep. Nothing was stirring, not even a mouse. Grabbed my backpack, filled it with my marbles, my lucky charms, my bag of dirt, got on that bike, rolled the hell out of there that night. <laughs> The best memories I ever had in Brooklyn were from my bike's rearview mirror the night I tried to run away. <laughs> and I remember becoming a Boy Scout, and even the Boy Scouts in my true pet attitudes. Check out our Boy Scout motto. All my honor, I will do my best to help the Girl Scouts get undressed and let the Boy Scouts do the rest. <laughs> Talk about brownie points? You should have seen my merit badges. <laughs> and growing up in my neighborhood, we didn't play baseball, we played baseball. remember pitching a two-hitter, winning a game, and having the other team put me in a circle and beat my ass. <laughs> then I went home crying, had my grandfather clean up the bloody mess, smacks me around a couple times and says, hey, you're a Sindoni, snap out of it. <laughs> then the old man walks me to the corner, Waits till the light turns green, hands me my Louisville slugger and says, Don't come back until you have blood on the bat. <laughs> then there was another time I was playing baseball. And I was two for two in the game. Got a base hit, went past the third baseline. Goes out to the outfield, gets past the outfield. See the ball is coming to home plate. I slide. And as the dust settles, the umpire calls me safe. So I go home and I told my father what kind of day I had. I told my father I was three for three and I won the game and everybody was cheering. And my father said, son, son, you don't speak Spanish. What were they saying? I told my father. They were saying, they were calling me mamá, pendejo, maricón. My father said, no, son, son. They weren't cheering you. They were cursing you out. I'm sure you've heard of Chicken Catcher Tory. Well, I've got one for you. We're going to call this one Chicken Catcher Story. <laughs> one Sunday morning, my Uncle Marty came over. And um, Uncle Marty, his nickname was Kakagaranya. Translated from Italian to English, means shit for brains. <laughs> Uncle Marty's son, Kaka Jr., and I went out for the day. And little did I know what this sick bastard was planning. We returned a couple hours later in time for Sunday dinner. So we're all now sitting at the table, and my Uncle Kaka stands up with a glass of wine and proposes a toast. He says, I'd like to thank little Steve Arino for the chicken cacciatore we're about to receive. So I say, chicken cacciatore? What are you talking about? So he says, what do you think the chickens came from? <laughs> I killed your roosters. 
This sick bastard killed all my pets. <laughs> Even my dog Chipper wasn't safe. From that moment on, I slept with one eye open. I thought I was on Uncle Kaka's list to get whacked next. <laughs> and I remember the friends I had growing up in Brooklyn. They weren't anything like the TV sitcom. The friends I had growing up in Brooklyn, they all had nicknames. There was Nicky Bop, Fat Freddy, and Johnny Nick. <laughs> I can remember opening up a 32-ounce bottle of beer and passing it around and watching Fat Freddy make it disappear. <laughs> and does anybody out there remember their first girlfriend? I remember my first girlfriend. Her name was Carol. Her nickname was Lamb Chops. I can remember the first time we met. It was love at first sight. She sucked my basketball right through a straw. <laughs> she was going to school to become a beautician, but I talked her out of it. I told her with that talent, you should join the circus and become a magician. <laughs> I remember one Saturday morning, my friend Bruno asked me to come over and bring over my 16 millimeter projector so we could watch porno movies. So we went over. We started watching the movies. There was 12 of us in the basement. And then there's a knock on the basement door. <laughs> what are you doing down there? It was Bruno's father. Nothing, Dad, nothing. He goes, what do you mean doing nothing? There's 12 of you down there. What are you doing? You gotta be doing something. Yeah, we're just watching Steve's Summer Vacation video movies. Well, if that's what you're doing, I'm coming down. I like to watch. So here we are, trapped like rats in the basement. <laughs> so Bruno's father comes downstairs, and he sits right next to me. He looks up at the screen, and there's this guy tapping on this girl's ass. He turns to me, puts his arm over my shoulder, and says, Steve, is that your mother? <laughs> You talk about an embarrassing moment? I haven't looked at my mother in the same way ever since. They say that the 1950s were happy days. I can remember the day President Kennedy was assassinated in 1963 in Dallas, Texas. I never bought the lone gunman one bullet theory. It's like asking me to believe that a knock-kneed woman and a bow-legged man can do the boogaloo in a sardine can. <laughs> and in the 60s, I can remember the race to outer space between the United States and Russia. Who would land on the moon first? I only have one question. How come Russia hasn't even attempted at landing a man on the moon? <laughs> Are they allergic to little green men? Now I know why the Russians joined the United States in a joint space mission. To keep the damn secret. Now I'm not a gullible guy. I don't believe in Bigfoot. I don't believe in Sasquatch. Or even Nessie, the Loch Ness Monster. 
But growing up in Brooklyn, I've seen some ugly women in my day who look more like the chupacabra. <laughs> now, I'm an average sort of guy, like most Americans, overworked and underpaid. <laughs> and it's no different at home, underloved and underlaid. <laughs> Except, of course, on Fridays, when I get paid. Growing up, I was proud of the fact that I always had excellent vision. Once I turned 40, my vision went from 2020 to 20. Ah, oh, forget it. <laughs> and they say too much sex can make you go blind, but in my case, not enough sex gives you blurry vision. And I'm working now for a temporary staffing agency called Off Target. Our mission statement? We never hit the mark. <laughs> and we've got some stiff competition. Labor not ready, bums are us, and dead on arrival. <laughs> At dead on arrival, you have to step over the dead bodies if you want to fill out a job application. I went on a sales call to a company by the name of Bigot Bindry and met a man named Phil and we exchanged business cards and I said to him, my name is Steve Sindoni and I'm the account rep for Off Target. So he said, my name is Phil and I'm the HMFIC. So after looking at this card, I said, HMFIC? Sounds like you got a very important position with this company. He said, yeah, that's right. I'm the head motherfucker in charge. <laughs> so I say, I'm a people placer, and I place people. You use people, don't you? So he says, listen, I ain't got time for bullshit. I'll tell you what I want and what I don't want, okay? I don't want any blacks because they're lazy, and I don't want any Puerto Ricans because they steal. But I'll take a dozen Mexicans if you got them. <laughs> so I said, Mexicans, huh? Why Mexicans? So he says, because they don't talk back, they're short, and you can fit about two dozen of them into a van. <laughs> so I say, I don't have any Mexicans. How about a dozen Koreans? So he says, are they any good? About a week later, believe it or not, he calls me and he places an order for a dozen Koreans. Go figure. <laughs> Did you ever have a boss, a supervisor who is the boss from hell? I had this boss named Bob Weisenheimer and he acted like he was waiting for a sex change operation. Yeah. He acted like a little bitch. And he would always do his best to try and piss me off. But I never let him get the best of me, because I always pictured him wearing a skirt.
One night I dreamt that Bob Weisenheimer died and was standing in front of the pearly gates waiting for St. Peter to open the gate. So St. Peter, he checks the book, and after a few seconds he says, I'm sorry, Mr. Weisenheimer, your name's not in the good book. But Mr. Weisenheimer, he goes ballistic. What do you mean I'm not in the good book? What are you, stupid and blind too? <laughs> now, now, Mr. Weisenheimer, says St. Peter, there's no reason for you to call me names. Listen, St. Peter, says Mr. Weisenheimer, there's got to be some kind of a mistake. No, Mr. Weisenheimer, says St. Peter, your name is not in the good book. Can you check again, St. Peter? So St. Peter checks again and says, No, I'm sorry, Mr. Weisenheimer. There's nothing I can do. Your name is not in the book. So now Mr. Weisenheimer, he's fuming. Look, St. Peter, why don't you ask God to let me in? So St. Peter, he goes back and talks to God. He says, God, I've got Mr. Weisenheimer at the gate. He's never done a good thing in his life, and he wants to enter into the kingdom of heaven. So God tells St. Peter, no, he can't let him in the gate. Now St. Peter, he goes back and gives Mr. Weisenheimer the bad news. Listen, Mr. Weisenheimer, you've never done a good thing in your life. There's no way we can let you in. <laughs> Mr. Weisenheimer, he thinks about it for a while. He says, okay, listen, St. Peter, here's two bucks. Go back and talk to God and see what you can do. So St. Peter, he goes back to talk to God and says, I can't believe this, Mr. Weisenheimer. He's never done a good thing in his life, and he thinks by giving me $2 that you let him into the kingdom of heaven. So now, God thinks about it for a while and says, St. Peter, give Mr. Weisenheimer back his $2 and tell him to go to hell. Anybody out there in therapy? I can save all of you out there listening a lot of money. The next time your boss pisses you off, take out your pen and write their name on the bottom of your shoes and walk all over them. <laughs> and if they really piss you off, the next time you take a dump, write their name on the toilet tissue and wipe your ass with them. And away goes troubles down the drain. <laughs> and I'll tell you, I really hate what customer service has become. Every time I call for service on anything, I feel like I'm the interruption of their time and not the reason for their time. <laughs> It almost feels like I'm bothering them. <laughs> Duh, go figure. <laughs> and you know, it seems like customer service is a thing in the past. And it's like somebody was given a job to take care of the customer. Somebody could have did it, but somebody didn't do it. And anybody could have done it, but somebody never told anybody. So nobody did it. <laughs> Who's on first? Third base. <laughs> and I've come to learn that people are like spark plugs. They make a lot of noise, they don't perform, and they miss fire and fart. <laughs> and they never 
finish what they start. <laughs> and life's like a funnel. I guess if you throw enough shit into the funnel, you'll figure it out. <laughs> the other day I hired a Polish house painter to paint the rooms of my house. So I went out for the day. Four hours later, I got a call from the police. The Polish painter, he called 911. He painted himself into a corner and he couldn't get out. <laughs> and what about car dealerships? Most people are scared to death to go to a car dealership to buy a car. If you gave them a choice, they'd rather go to the dentist and get drilled than go to a car dealership and get screwed. <laughs> they're all afraid of those questions that they ask you. Are you trading in a car today? And how much are you putting down? Or what kind of monthly payments did you have in mind? And we all know that even after we land on the car, we still have to face Darth Vader, the finance manager, whose job it is, is to bump your monthly payments even higher. <laughs> and the conversation goes something like this. Mr. Sindoni, you need that undercoating for that rust protection. <laughs> and the extended service policy covers your car from bumper to bumper and gives you peace of mind. <laughs> hey pal, before I get screwed, I'd like to be kissed. And since the year 2000, the economy has gotten bad. Matter of fact, the economy has gotten so bad, the internet giant hot jobs is now selling hot dogs. <laughs> and in Miami, all the Cubans have boarded up the windows and they're swimming back to Cuba. And in Cuba, Fidel Castro, he's declared a national emergency. He's running out of Castro convertibles for the return he used to sleep on. I'll tell you, it's a ball of confusion. Where the world is headed, nobody knows. Hippies are moving to the hills, and the rest of us are up to our eyeballs and bills. What about the banks? When organized crime charged 20% on a loan, they called it loan sharking, and it was a crime. <laughs> but today, when banks and finance companies or retail stores charge 25% on a credit card, the government says it's legal. <laughs> oh, the new American way? I owe, I owe. So off to work I go. I O I O I O I O I O I O. Has anyone read the world news today? President Bush was arrested this morning in Washington for DWD. 
The cops gave him a ticket for driving the country in the wrong direction. <laughs> and in a popularity poll taken in the northern states, the president's popularity was down 37%. The good news in the southern states, the president was given a thumbs up, and his popularity was up 75%. And that was with all the rednecks, the alcoholics, and people who sniff their own butt cracks. <laughs> what about those weapons of mass destruction that Saddam Hussein was supposed to be hiding? <laughs> Rumor has it, the only weapons of mass destruction that were ever found was a case of industrial strength Viagra at the presidential palace. <laughs> The only Scud missile they ever found was the one in Saddam Hussein's pants. I'll tell you, we should forget about Iraq. With all the hardship America is facing here at home, with the hurricanes, unemployment, decaying roads, we should bring back the troops from Iraq and put America back to work. And when another politician wants to start another war, he should have to go first. <laughs> now, I personally am not into politics, but I personally think that politicians should have to have their colons cleansed once a year. Because <laughs> they all talk a lot of shit. <laughs> Can anybody tell me who stole the American dream? The American dream? has become the American scheme. This shit is stranger than fiction. If the government really wants to make the war on terrorism believable, they should have hired Steven Spielberg. I know he was available. <laughs> but if you're like me, you have questions. Does the government really expect the American people to believe that a man who is hiding in a cave without a roll of toilet paper to wipe his own ass is the mastermind of 9-11? <laughs> then the government, they put out a $25 million reward and they still can't find him. <laughs> I put his ass on America's Most Wanted. They'll find his ass. <laughs> And right after the 2004 presidential election, newly elected President George Bush invites John Kerry to his corporate ranch to go out hunting. The President and Mr. Kerry, they go hunting, and they bag the biggest deer that corporate Texas has ever seen. So they go back to the lodge, to the room, to celebrate. They start drinking, and Mr. Kerry, he starts getting tired, and he wants to go to sleep. So now the President says, Mr. Kerry, I hope you don't mind, but there's only one king-size bed to sleep on. Would you mind sharing the bed? So now Mr. Kerry says, no, Mr. President, I don't mind at all. And he staggers into bed. About four hours later, you hear a loud scream. Mr. Kerry's been violated. <laughs> and there's blood all over the bed. The president now rolls over from his side of the bed and says, John, are you all right? All right? I've got blood all over me, and my ass is killing me. 
president says, that's terrible. Are you going to tell anybody? <laughs> Hell no, says Mr. Kerry. What are you kidding? <laughs> so the president says, good. Do you want to go hunting again next year? For the most part, Americans are happy. Americans are like contented cows. They want to drive the big SUVs, the Escalades, the Navigators, and the new expeditions. And they won't be unhappy until gas prices go up to about $4 a gallon. <laughs> and when gas prices do reach $4 a gallon, that's when the Americans will sell their wives and kids on the street. <laughs> Are you feeling the heat? Because I'm not going to miss a beat. <laughs> Is America asleep? Yeah, America will wake up when gas goes up to $6 a gallon, and milk is $5 a gallon, and cigarettes are up to $9 a pack. <laughs> then, the 290 million Americans will march into Washington yelling, Stop the madness! <laughs> Whatever happened to for the people? Now it's for the government. Has everybody gone mad? I went to BJ's warehouse the other day. I bought a hoe on sale. They had a sign that read, No layaways. Get laid today. Has everybody gone loco? <laughs> and it's even crazier south of the border. I met a man named Pancho who lived on a rancho. He made five pesos a day. He went to see his girlfriend Lucy. She gave him some pussy and took his five pesos away. <laughs> Things are totally out of control. Why, just the other day, I went to a Chinese restaurant and I opened up a fortune cookie that read, if a man can fuck and a woman can suck, they can always make a buck. <laughs> and have you read the newspaper today? Former President Bill Clinton was seen playing the saxophone and smoking a doobie with all people, the Doobie Brothers. <laughs> the good news, he didn't inhale. And in the Where Are They Now section, another former president, Jimmy Carter, was seen off Interstate I-95 in Georgia holding a sign, I'll work for peanuts. <laughs> and in the sporting section, Magic Johnson wants to hire an all-black racing team to drive a NASCAR. The first race they're going to enter will be the LA Freeway 500. And OJ Simpson, he'll be driving the pace car. <laughs> and in the local sporting news, George Steinbrenner has hired Pamela Lee Anderson to change the luck of the New York Yankees. 
Yeah, that's right. Pamela's gonna rub on their balls and blow on their bats for good luck. I'll tell you, it's a crazy world. It's out of control. It's a crazy world. It's out of control.